Would you open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We've been in this for a couple of weeks now. This is what's called the high priestly prayer. This is taking place either in the upper room or on the way to Gethsemane, one or the other. This is the longest recorded prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels. We've seen before that this prayer that the Lord Jesus is praying has three parts. In verses 1 through 5, he's praying for himself that he might glorify the Father within the next 24 hours in particular. Actually less than 24 hours. Say maybe 14 or 15 hours. Because he knows what's about to happen. What's about to happen to him and his humanity. I may go off on a rabbit tonight. And if I do, be patient with me. And then in verses 6 through 19, he prays for those faithful 11 disciples that he calls the apostles. That are with him that night in the upper room. And then in verses 20 through 26, he prays for us. Now there's a very brief reference back to the 11. But he prays for us. That is, as he says in verse 20, all of those who will believe in him because of the testimony of the apostles. The testimony of those 11. So, how have people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ into 2,000 years since he prayed for this? It's through the testimony of those 11. Well, they're dead. How can these men who have died possibly testify to us? And everybody says, through the New Testament. Through what they wrote. Through the Gospels. Through Acts. Through the letters. This is how they continue to testify to us. Now tonight we're still in the second part of this prayer. Last week we learned what Jesus meant when he said, Father, I have manifested your name to the men you gave me out of the world. The name of the Father that Jesus revealed to these men is Father. If you have a hard time figuring that one out again, go back and listen to the, the message from last week. And we saw how that differed from God's names in the Old Testament, such as Yahweh, such as Adonai, such as El Shaddai, such as El Elyon. Jesus reveals his father as Father, not just some far distant deity, not the almighty, terrifying, immense God who's invisible, who's out there, but as a father. And Jesus in himself reveals what sort of father his father is. You look at the Lord Jesus Christ and you see the Father. We've already seen that in John 14, 9. Why do you ask, show me the Father? Have I been with you so long, Philip, and yet you don't know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is not the Father. 
Jesus is perfectly revealing his Father to his disciples. And now tonight, we'll look at another important truth about the Father, God the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ that just jumps out at you when you read John 17. So I want to begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to read down through verse 14 and then verses 22 through 24. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world. And yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name. The name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you have given me. And I guarded them. And not one of them perished but the son of perdition. So that the scriptures would be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Now verse 22. The glory which you have given me I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Now, something in there ought to just jump out and grab you in the face. In 17 verses, Jesus uses give and given and gave 17 times. Do you suppose he wants to get a point across to us? I mean, the repetition is just amazing. 17 times in 17 verses, the Lord Jesus Christ talks about what he's been given by the Father. Hmm. And what he's been given is essentially two things. 
And I'm, I'm not going to satisfy you tonight with this explanation. But hopefully maybe sometime over a meal or, or other times we might be able to get into it. I'm tempted to spend six months in John 17, but I don't think we can get away with that. But what's Jesus been given by his Father here? First of all, he's been given you. Secondly, he's been given a stewardship from his Father. So let's look at the first part. The Father presented us to his Son as a gift. Note how many times the Lord Jesus Christ declares that the Father gave us to him. In verse 2. Twice in verse 6. In verse 9. In verse 24. Note also that we belong to the Father before we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I hope you get ready to have some happy feet on because this ought to make us happy when we think about it. Look at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. They were yours. We belong to the Father before we ever belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody says, well, yeah. I mean, we know that. I mean, everything God creates belongs to him. Yeah, but we belonged to God the Father as loved and precious possessions. Everything you own belongs to you. Your dirty underwear belongs to you. You're not going to give that as a gift to anyone, I hope. You mow your yard. The grass belongs to you. The grass clippings belong to you. But you're not going to give grass clippings to your children as an inheritance, I hope, or as a birthday present. No. Suppose you're like me and you inherited your daddy's shotgun. This is for men that we inherited our daddy's shotgun. Or ladies, that you've inherited your mother's wedding ring. Now that's a precious and much loved possession. I've got a, a German soldier's cap that my daddy brought back from World War II. You can't buy that. There's not enough money in the world to buy that cap. But it's going to go to someone when I die. I've got a pistol he brought back from World War II. You can't buy that pistol. It's a little old cheap British thug pistol. I have no idea where he got this. He must have picked it up in either England or picked it up in France, one or the other. But I wish it was a Luger or P P-38 or something that was nice. But it's this little punk thug gun. You have to stick it in somebody's gut and pull the trigger to hit them. I've tried. I didn't stick it in anybody's gut. It's just that I've tried to hit targets with it and I can't hit anything with it. But you can't buy that gun. You can't buy that pistol. That useless cheap pistol. Because my daddy brought that back from World War II and he gave it to me. And that's precious to me. God gave us to his son. Well, I, see, I, this is where I have to be careful. When I say God gave us to his son, what did I just imply? Yes, the son is not God. So, I've got to be careful about that tonight. And every night. 
The Father gave you to His Son as a precious and beloved gift. Mm. We belong to the Father before He ever created us. Before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Before the foundation of the world, before we were, before anything was created, much less any atoms, any molecules that would ever form us, God chose us and the Father chose us to give to his Son. That's when we belonged to the Father was then. We were the fathers when we were born into this world. We were the fathers as children who didn't know him. You think about a three-year-old doesn't know the Father. They know about God, but they don't know the Father. We were the fathers when we were rebellious sinners who knew his will and defied him. When we were like sheep going astray, everyone to his own way. We belonged to the Father. We were his. And we didn't even know it. <laughs> because he chose you and created you for himself... And for his son, you are his. He chose you to be his. And you thought you belonged to yourself. Mm -hmm. And like dumb sheep, we listen to the lies of Satan and to our own flesh. And we follow those lies, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. You are dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now, you are the fathers and you were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. And yet as children of wrath, as sons of disobedience, we belong to the Father. You see where this is going? I hope you see where this is going. And all that time, the Father owned us. All that time that we were by nature children of wrath, that we were voluntarily following the world and part of the world. And as David Morris said, on our way to hell and happy about it, he kept us alive. Now, I don't know about you, but I have incidents in my life before I was saved where I should have died. And God intervened and kept me alive. That's the only reason I'm alive. During all that time that we were rebellious, he healed us when we were sick. During all that time, he protected us because we were his. He had chosen us. He chose us for his son. He was going to give you to his son. He was determined he was going to give you to his son. And from before the foundation of the world, nothing could kill us. No disease, no war, no accident as we call them. Nothing 
could kill us as sinners before he could give us to his son. Now I'm going to say it now and I'm going to say it later. This is the glorious gospel of election. This is the glorious gospel of the sovereignty of God in predestining. This is the glorious gospel of God in choosing worthless sinners who are no better than any other worthless sinners. If a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, Galatians 6 says he deceives himself. We were nothing. There was nothing about us. I mean, children of wrath? What is it about a child of wrath that would attract God to a child of wrath? No. We were just like all the rest. And out of pure sovereign grace, because it pleased him, and because he wanted to show to the world what a gracious God he is, and if anyone would turn and trust in him and give themselves to him, he would give them eternal life. For that reason, he chose nothings like us for his son. And he was determined his son is going to receive the gifts, the presents that he's chosen for him. So when did the father give us to his incarnate son? Please notice the word incarnate. This is where I think I may succumb to the rabbit. Little Christology. God the Son created us. We know that from uh, Colossians chapter 1. All things were made through him and for him. John 1 says without him nothing was made that was made. All things were created through him. That's God the Son. So before the foundation of the world, God the Father and God the Son agreed. The Father chose us. The Son agreed that he would come and purchase us for his Father. See how this thing is starting to turn into a cycle. God's going to give us to his... uh, The Father's going to give us to his Son. And then we find in 1 Corinthians 15, and at the end of of time, the Son's going to turn right back around and give us to the Father that God may be all in all. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit might be all in all. But, when the Lord Jesus Christ is born, he's not just God, and that's a, you can't say just. He's not only God the Son. When the Lord, when God the Son comes to earth and is born as the Lord Jesus Christ, he's born as truly human. Just as helpless as we were when we were born. Just as susceptible to diseases as we were. Just as susceptible to injury as we are. He bled. I'm sure there's times he hit his thumb as a carpenter. I'm sure there's times he cut himself. I don't know if he was ever sick. We're never told. But there was no reason why he couldn't have been sick. Have childhood sicknesses like all the rest of us. Catch the flu like the rest of us. Have headaches like we do. Have upset stomachs. Eat something that's gone bad and be sick for a couple of days like he was human he is just like us in every way except for sin so what did this man Jesus have that other people did not have what did this man Jesus in his humanity have that those around him did not have nothing 
in his humanity. You've got to remember, we're talking about one person, but two distinct natures that never mingle. In his humanity, he had nothing. Where did the power to work miracles come from? His father. Where did the wisdom he have come from? His father. His father coming in and working somehow in his deity. And teaching him all things. And bringing to his mind all things. And opening up to himself. I mean, do you think that Jesus as a six month old baby knew that he was God the Son incarnate? Seriously. I mean, seriously. No, he's a six month old baby. But by the time he's 12... Boy, this rabbit's getting, he's running a long way. By the time he's 12, he's in the temple on his first trip to the temple. And his parents are looking for him. They can't find him. His mother's looking for him and can't find him. And they come into the temple and there he is sitting with the scholars, listening to them. I mean, can you imagine a 12-year-old kid and there's a bunch of PhDs having a seminar. And here's the 12-year-old kid sitting amongst them listening to them and asking them questions that are making them marvel at him. And his mother comes in and says, Son, why have you treated us like this? We've been looking desperately for you. Don't you know that your father and I were concerned? And what did Jesus say? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? You see that, that gentle rebuke of his mother? Mom, Joseph's not my dad. From the time he was an infant until he's 12, he understands who he is. Now how that happened, I don't know. But it's happening. Okay, so what does he have? Where does the miracles come from? Where does the power come from? Where does the wisdom come from? Where does this preaching come from? It's the Father. His Father's giving him all this. So when did the Father give to his incarnate human Son, or give us to his incarnate human Son? It's when God the Son was born as Jesus of Nazareth, when he became a human being and began to preach the gospel of the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus knew who were given to him before he ever called them. It's interesting. <laughs> In chapter 1, verse 43, months and a year or two years ago, we're told that Jesus found Philip. Now notice that. He found Philip. He didn't stumble across Philip. Philip didn't come up to him and say, Jesus, can I be one of your disciples? No, he found him. He went looking for him and found him. And then Philip went out looking for his friend Nathaniel and found Nathaniel. And so Nathaniel comes to see Jesus and Jesus says, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. And Nathaniel says, How do you know me? And Jesus says, before Philip found you, when you were sitting under the fig tree, I saw you. Mm. And then later on, in Luke chapter 5, after so much has happened, 
Jesus and the small group of disciples that have gathered, he's, he's gathering his apostles, the little small group that's with him, this incomplete group. They're walking along and it's, we're told, and he saw Levi, Matthew, sitting at the tax table. And he looks at him and says, come follow me. Why were they walking there? Why were they at Matthew's tax table? Because Jesus knew who was given to him. And he's gathering them together. And Jesus knew that all that his father had given to him would come to him. Would believe in him. We know 637. That would be the 18th time that Jesus talks about us being given to him. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And he who comes to me I will by no means cast out. He knew that all the Father had given to him would come to him. Because the Father had chosen us for him. As a gift for him. All the Father gives me will come to me. Now listen carefully. Don't listen to that. If you have been born again, if by grace you've entrusted yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know that you belong to him and you willingly belong to him and you rejoice in belonging to him and you long to glorify him, your salvation was never in doubt. This is sovereign election gospel salvation. The Father chose you for His Son before the foundation of the world. He arranged all your ancestors for hundreds of generations to produce you. You. He brought you safely into the world through the death of birth. When your mama thought she was going to die. And she came closest to death that she would ever come. He brought you safely into the world when other children die in that process. He brought you safely into the world. He protected you from death. Yeah, you had the measles, you had chicken pox, you had mumps, you had scarlet fever and you didn't die. And other children did. He caused you to hear the gospel when you heard the gospel. And when you heard the gospel... He sent his Holy Spirit to open our dead eyes and to open our dead ears and to cause us to believe. He gave us, he gave us faith. And you believed. And you received Jesus as your Lord. And at that point, you became Jesus' property indeed. The present was delivered. At that point. Again, this is the glorious gospel of sovereign election grace. Jonah got it right in the belly of the great fish. Salvation is of Yahweh. Salvation is God's work. And remember, our salvation is not so much about us going to heaven. I mean, we are going to heaven. If we know Christ, we are going to heaven. But our salvation is much more about the Father giving a full count of those that He's chosen for His Son out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And the Son receiving every one that the Father has given Him to trust Him, 
to follow him, to love him, to rejoice in him, to adore him. God the Father gave you, if you know Christ, to his Son. That's the first aspect of what the Lord Jesus Christ has received and what God the Father has given him. Second aspect of this word give that we find here 17 times in John 17 is that the Father also gave his Son a stewardship. Now, you know what a stewardship is. We read about steward, the good steward, and and the shrewd steward in the New Testament. A stewardship is authority that's entrusted to you to manage and use another's riches. You manage and you use the owner's riches. You use it and manage it, though, to the owner's benefit, not just to your benefit. A stewardship is power that's given to you with responsibility. Now think about this. Look there in chapter 17, verse 2. It'd help if I was in the right chapter. Chapter 17, verse 2. Jesus is speaking. He says, even as you have given him authority over all flesh. God the Father gave his son authority. Now, wait a minute. Isn't Jesus God incarnate? So why would the Father have to give him authority? He is the, the Lord Jesus Christ is the creator. You see, we're right back where we started from in our Christology. But when he's born, when he becomes man, he becomes man. Uh, Philippians 2 tells us he emptied himself. What that means is he left all the prerogatives of being God behind in heaven. He's still God in the flesh. But he left his power. He left all of his prestige. He left his glory behind in heaven when he became man. So in order for him to have the authority that he had on earth, the Father had to give him that authority as a stewardship. And the stewardship was so that he might give eternal life to as many as the Father had given him. I'm giving you this power, but here's your responsibility. Give eternal life to all those that I have given you. We're going to get to how he gives us eternal life in just a minute. He was given authority and the responsibility, the stewardship, to reveal the Father as he is. Look in verse 6. I have have manifested, I have revealed your name. To the men whom you gave me. Last week we talked about what all that meant. It meant that he showed God the Father for who he really is. He was a perfect revelation of God the Father. And he fulfilled that responsibility here to the eleven. By the time you get to the upper room, he has made it plain to the eleven who God the Father is and what kind of a father he is. And you say, well, what do you mean that this revealing God the Father's name is a stewardship? 
You know that because you go back to Luke chapter 14. So put a mark there. Or excuse me, Luke 19. Luke 19. And we have the, the parable that the Lord Jesus gives us here in verses 12 and 13 of a king. And he calls his slaves. He's going, on, going away. He calls his slaves and he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business till I come back. He gave his slaves the money to manage until I come back. He gave them a stewardship. He gave them his possessions to manage until I come back. God the Father gave the Lord Jesus Christ the stewardship to reveal his name. Make sure you make it plain. Make sure they understand. I give you the authority to do this. And we're going to see how he gave him that authority in a minute. And I give you the responsibility to do it well. And to make it plain. He did that for the eleven. And he accomplished it. Notice what he said in verse 6. I have manifested your name. He's also done that for us. In verses 11 and 12. Look there. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you have given me. I guarded them. Not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Mm. The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled that stewardship make God the Father plain to his disciples. And then in verse 26, especially for us, I have made your name known to them. And remember the them there is referring back to verse 20, those who believe in him through the apostles. And then in verse 22 we have this, this statement, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them. God the Father gave his Son a stewardship of glory as well. Glory. How did he give him a stewardship of glory? Remember what he's supposed to do? Reveal the Father perfectly? Make who the Father is or what kind of a Father he is very plain? And the glory is his fulfilling, revealing the Father. When the Lord Jesus Christ revealed to his disciples and reveals to us exactly who God the Father is and exactly what God the Father is like, that's the glory. That's the glory of God the Father being revealed to us. This is what you're like. You're not like what we expected. You're so much better than what we expected. And the Lord Jesus Christ has revealed his glory with joy. 
It's not only a responsibility, it was with tremendous joy. And he says, this glory I have given to them. What do you mean? The glory of revealing who the Lord Jesus Christ is and therefore who the Father is has been entrusted to us. And it's a privilege and it's a responsibility because who else is going to tell them if we don't? I mean, let's face it, the gospel is only one generation from extinction, right? But not only is it a responsibility that's been entrusted to us, he's given us the power to do it because who's living in us? He is. He is. And in him, we have the power to reveal him to those that we speak to, to those he is calling, to those who will never trust in him. We have the authority. We have the power. We have the joy of revealing our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, when was the last time that you talked to somebody about Jesus and it was so disagreeable to you? That, man, I wish I could get out of this. I mean, I didn't... That was so unpleasant having to reveal who Jesus Christ is to this person. No, even if they reject it, even if they call you a fool, even if whatever they do, it's still tremendous joy. Why? Because he's in us. And he's given us the power to do it. And it's life. We're never living so much as when we're telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, let's face it. The joy we have as Christians is in obeying him. And knowing him and revealing him. Moving on now. We're talking about he gave his son, God the Father gave his son authority. And then look at verse 7. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. Notice he does not say now they have come to know that everyone you have given me is from you. Everything you have given me is from you. What's the thing that God the Father has given to his human son. It's the power to do what he does. It's the power to perform these mercy miracles of healings and raising the dead and casting out demons. It's the knowledge of what the Father says. It's that everything includes knowing the Father's words. Knowing what the father tells him. Now, how did the father communicate with the son? I don't know. I don't need to know. All I know is that that he did. That his son knew exactly what his father was saying. And he faithfully communicated it to everyone that was listening to him. In other words, God the father gave his son a miraculous power. That is the power to perform miracles. The power to speak his father's own words. In order to prove that everything the son claimed to be was true. Mm. The miracles confirmed in verse 8. The miracles confirmed that Jesus was speaking the father's own words. He says the words you gave me. That ties back in with 1249 where Jesus says the words I speak to you not my words. They're the fathers who sent me. And then in 14.10 where he says the same thing when he's talking to Philip. The words I speak to you, they're not my words. They're the fathers who sent me. He says, I have given them to them. I gave them your words. I fulfill my responsibility. 
And in verse 14, he says the same thing again. I have given them your words. Father, you gave me this responsibility. You gave me the stewardship, and I have fulfilled it. I've carried it out. But there's one final stewardship that the Lord Jesus has that was given to him. Back up to verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me. They have kept your word. The men whom you gave me out of the world. Now he's talking about the eleven. The eleven right now. But he's also implying us in that as well. It was Jesus' stewardship and responsibility given to him by the Father. To actually give his life a ransom for those that the Father had given to him. It was Jesus' stewardship to actually save those that the Father had chosen to save and had given to him. His Father chose us before the foundation of the world. But it's Jesus' responsibility to actually go to the cross and buy us. Actually go to the cross and suffer all of the wrath of the Father on our sins in our place as our substitute. Actually redeem us. Unless the Father's wrath is exhausted in his Son, unless the Lord Jesus Christ receives all of that, all of his miracles, all of his teachings about the Father mean nothing. Because the justice of God requires that all of those who have sinned go to hell. And who sinned? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ allows himself to be betrayed, arrested, mocked, tortured, and crucified for us. In his human nature. I'm, I'm holding back from going any further than that. After the conversation we had this week. Unless he allows himself to be arrested. Mocked. Tortured. Crucified. As man. For sinful men. Sinful people. The father's will is going to be frustrated. But that can't happen. The Father's will can't be frustrated. Not his decretive will. Ephesians 1.11 says, He works all things after the counsel of his own will. And in Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in the heaven. He does whatever he pleases. <laughs> Psalm 135.6 says, Whatever our God pleases, that he does. So the Father's will can't be frustrated. In verse 11, Jesus says something weird. He says, I am no longer in the world. And say, no, you are. You're standing right there in Jerusalem. But he says, no, I am no longer in the world. But the decision is made. The determination is set. It's as if 
I've already accomplished everything I need to do on the cross for your elect. I am so determined that I'm going to do this that I'm no longer in the world. Look back at 16 verse 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Everything the world threw at me, I've defeated. There's nothing the world can do to me. There's no torment. There's no, there's no trial. There's no mockery. There's no temptation that the world can throw at me right now that's going to keep me from the cross. I'm going to the cross. My mind is, is made up. I'm determined. I will pay the price for their sins. I will buy all those that you chose from before the foundation of the world. All of those that you've given to me, I will buy them on the cross. Nothing can stop me from being able to scream out finally tomorrow afternoon about 3 o'clock in the afternoon it is finished. The debt is paid in full. Nothing can stop me from doing that. That's the good news we have in here. Not only were we given to the Lord Jesus Christ by his Father to save, but he did it. He fulfilled his stewardship to the very last drop of wrath that should have been poured out on us. He drank it all. Praise God. What a Father. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Stand up with me, please. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. And we are dismissed.